Hello, lifers. This is Heather Drew, and this is the Life in the Whirlwind podcast. Today is episode 38, and this episode is called Be Longing. There's a fancy way I wrote it. You'll see that in the title. So today I wanted to talk about some of the things that I noticed when many people emailed me about the home episodes. So these recent episodes that I did, these three episodes, all of them have the title or have the word home in them. I think I mentioned last week that this has produced some of the most uh, proficient, <laughs> just a, there's been a lot of emails about the, these particular episodes and they've, I've really appreciated them. They're, there's a lot of sharing and a lot of vulnerability and questions and things. So I wanted to tackle a little bit of that. And uh, one of the words that I noticed showed up one day when I was reading several emails, several of your emails, I noticed this word. It was almost like highlighted in my brain, the word belonging. It kept coming up. People would say, I just want to belong to something bigger than myself, or I just want to belong to someone. So I thought it would be appropriate to talk about that today. And I have, I want to start out, I'm going to jump in the deep end a little bit here. I want to start out with two questions. And these are the kinds of questions that are reflective questions that I think could lead to a lot of deeper work. So I don't know how you use this podcast for your own growth, or if you do at all, hopefully you do. Uh, hopefully that's serving you in that way. But if you have a way that you sort of process these episodes and ask yourself these questions, maybe you write these down. These are, you know, process questions that could continue some deeper work. So the first question that I have is this. To what or to whom do you deeply yearn to belong? To what or to whom do you deeply yearn to belong? The second question that I have for you and me is what do you find you are willing to do or be or pretend to be to belong to that person or group? So what do you find that you're willing to do to belong? Those are the two questions I want to start out with. And I want you to reflect on those if you like that kind of thing. You're probably a reflective person if you're listening to this. But those are reflective questions for you to sort of chew on in your own life. Maybe share them with a friend, share them with your counselor, uh, community, whatever that looks like. Or at least journal about them. I think when we yearn to belong, the sub-narrative is they have something that I need to be good. So we look at a group or a person and there's something that inherently draws us to that group or person and it makes us want to be long there, right? So the sub-narrative of they have something that I need to be good. There's something happening there. But here's the thing is, I think anytime we're allowing or entertaining that kind of narrative 
about belonging in ourselves, which, by the way, is often or mostly completely subconscious, I would say. I don't think a lot of people are very aware of that happening for them. But anytime we're allowing or entertaining that narrative, we, without fail, give power to the person or the group to which we want to belong. So if someone says, so here's, here's what I mean by that. If I'm hungry and I have no food and you have food and I'm like, this person has food, they have something that I need, you automatically have power over me, right? Because you have something that I need. Or, yeah, in this case, I do need food (laughs) to live. But with this emotional stuff, with belonging, it's almost, it's a more subtle art form. So when we look at someone else or a group and we see that they have something we feel we need, which isn't necessarily true, by the way, we're going to tackle that in a second, we give power to them and they have power over us. Because they have the thing that we tell ourselves we need. Okay, so maybe you're saying, okay, so what? You know, I want to belong. I, they have power. I don't. So what? Who cares? Whatever. What's the point? Good question. What are the benefits and the drawbacks of giving someone or someone's that kind of power over you? And I really want you to consider that. This is a very contemplative episode. (laughs) Oh, I should have told you that ahead of time. I really want you to consider that. What are the benefits and the drawbacks of offering someone that kind of power over you? To have the power, if this person has the power to either give you belonging or take away your sense of belonging. What are the benefits and the drawbacks? I'm phrasing it in such a way you can tell what my bias is, um, but I really do actually want you to think through the benefits as well. I think there are many drawbacks, but I think there might be some benefits. I don't know. You have to think about that because only you know that for yourself. But in my experience, many people find themselves on the other side of this game, this power balance game, and they feel they've lost a huge part of themselves. So in, whether it's in my office, whether it's dealing with my own emotions and internal landscape, I find that many people find themselves on the other side of this, you know, trying to fit in stuff and, uh, they feel they've lost themselves one of i i love when jesus says he's teaching in um a certain point i don't want to say too much about the context cuz it doesn't matter so much but if you have a bible and you want to find luke 9 not right now but just sometime um in the book of luke which is a story of jesus's life in the chapter in the ninth chapter of that book uh 925, he says, you know, he's talking about giving up things that matter to them. He's talking to these people who are his students, his followers, his disciples. And he's saying, um, he's teaching, 
And he's trying to teach some wisdom to say, there are many things that you are chasing after that don't matter. And they are destroying you, essentially, is what he's saying. And he says, I'm paraphrasing here, but um, this is a very famous verse, (laughs) Luke 9.25. What do you really gain if you gain these things that you allow to give you meaning, but in the process you are yourself lost or destroyed? Uh, many people know this as famously as what good is it to gain the whole world, but lose your soul, right? So this concept of, yeah, you gain these things that you pursue, believing that they will give your life meaning, believing that they will give you value and belonging. And so you chase them and you're good at it. And maybe you even have them. Maybe you accomplish it. But then what are you left with? That's the question. Have you lost yourself? And, you know, the big question remains there is what's more important, right? Recently, I was going through a decision and um, a friend of mine, one of my dearest friends, was helping me think through this decision. And she saw something that I didn't see which is why we have friends, right? (laughs) Big part of that. She said, she saw, well, basically what she saw is this, what Jesus was teaching. She saw this thing where I was pursuing something that sort of went against who I really was. And it sort of contradicted and came into, it bumped up against, maybe even I would go so far as to say canceled out who I really am, my true self. And so this is what my friend said to me. I wrote it down. I I was like, stop talking. I have to write this down (laughs) because I didn't want to forget it. She said, if you continue to allow yourself to be seen and heard only as these other people define you as good enough and relevant and worthy, you will never find what you are looking for and you will lose yourself in the process. That's the kind of stuff a good friend says. Even when that kind of sentence makes you feel uncomfortable, which I think, you know, it probably should to some degree because it's hard words, it's hard truth. That is a love because she saw me and it almost proved her point that she could see me and speak to my true value, which meant the world to me. So thanks to that friend. My other virtual fantasy friend, Brene Brown, <laughs> she's <laughs> uh, my hero, Brene. <laughs> she, I've been gorging on, I've been binging on uh, lots of Brene Brown stuff, trying to learn lots of things and use lots of things for my life. But she says, she said recently in something I was listening to, fitting in is the enemy of true love and belonging really belonging, really being loved and loving. Fitting in is the enemy of that. Belonging often, you know, our ideas of belonging often compel us to try to fit in, 
right? We see a group, like I said, that has something we see and we think we need it and that it will give us meaning, our lives meaning and value. And so we adjust ourselves to fit in. We, maybe you think, you know, I'm too much of this or not enough of that to fit into this group. And so you adjust yourself and you try to fit in. But fitting in is the enemy of true belonging and real love. Because real love accepts you as you are, right? That's what it's about. So I can't just say fitting in, bad. Belonging, good. True self, good. So what's my counter suggestion? I, I want to, you know, go a little further here. My counter suggestion is this. What if instead of trying to fit in and trying to belong in the way that we've typically tried to, what if instead we examined and assessed and committed to our values? What if we looked carefully at our values, the things that we want and the things that matter to us, and then What if that involves, you know, I think what that involves is a setting of intention, sort of this, you know, you're examining your values, you're you're thinking, okay, this is what I value, this is what I want, and not hold these, you know, these things could lead you astray, sure, but also they have a lot of importance in your life. It's why you do what you do, your values. Um, So examining them is really important. And you can actually like, you know, there's a therapy called ACT, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy. And you can look to, look up on, you can Google something like, you know, ACT values list. And you can sort of see it brings up worksheets with lists of values, possible values in different categories of your life. If you need a little help thinking through what those might be. But they will ring bells shortly. When you see them, you'll know them. But It involves setting, so once we know what our values are, we have to sort of set this intention. And setting intention is a practice, which means, remember what practice means? Repeat. It means over and over and over and over. Intention has to be reliable. It has to be, has to reset itself when needed, right? So maybe it's throughout the day, maybe it's throughout the week, whatever that looks like, but sort of coming back to this is what I value and here's what I'm going to do about it, right? It involves a lot of self-talk, this counter suggestion of mine, examining and assessing and committing to your values. It involves saying things like, okay, so what are my values and what do I want to do? And you have to kind of give yourself a pep talk. You have to potentially do whatever your version is of looking in the mirror and giving yourself a good talk, right? I do this a lot. (laughs) It's very helpful, I find. Because, so why are we doing this? Because what if belonging, true belonging, comes as a natural, here's the punchline. See how I got your attention there? Here comes the punchline. What if true belonging comes as a natural result of being toward our longings? 
some of you just got really nervous right now <laughs> because I just said longings, being toward our longings. And many of you have been taught for decades not to trust your, your longings and your yearnings, that they are not trustworthy, that they are dangerous, that they are going to lead you to sin. Um, and I don't take that lightly. <clears throat> I do. I mean, <coughs> excuse me. There's some wisdom in that, you know, thinking through that. And you have to be attentive to that as well. <clears throat> but here's the thing is that here's my proposition to you is that here's my image for yearning and longing. Yearning and longing is like a compass. What does a compass do? You hold it in your hand and you watch the needle move and it tells you which way is north. How you get to north is a completely different story. So when I say that maybe real belonging comes as a natural result of being toward our longings. What I mean by that is that the being is the journey and the longing is the compass. We use the compass to show us the direction in which we would like to go. The being is how we get there. Are there a lot of ways to get to north? Oh yes, of course. Um, a really good example of this is if you drive across the country or to a different state or something, you often, <clears throat> you know, you go through a series of, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> you go through a series of tunnels or bridges, all of which are leading you to the same place. You know, when you type in a, an address on your GPS or Google Maps or something, you see there's like four different routes available. And that's only what they offer you. You know, these are the four most efficient routes or whatever. But here's the thing is that every route is its own route. There's no, you know, the only thing that determines better or worse path to get there is your preference and your values. Do I want to take the scenic route? Do I want to get there as fast as possible? Do I want to pay the fewest number of tolls? Do I want to go up and over the mountain or do I want to go through it? These kinds of things. So the being is the journey. How you be is the journey. And the longing is the compass. Practically what I, what do I, I want this, you know, I want to paint all of these things practically because I feel like it's not fair to present concepts without practicality here. So what does this look like? Here's the, here's a long, long invitation, <laughs> four part in invitation. Here's the first, maybe practical way of doing this. Like I said, be present to your depths and the, de the desires that sit there. How do you do this? Um, this is part of what I really, really enjoy about spiritual direction and therapy. 
both I have a spiritual direction director and I have a therapist. You're probably like, wow, this lady needs a lot of help. I do. <laughs> I do indeed. And I'm not ashamed of it. <laughs> uh, it's how I keep living my life authentically. But these two people in particular, and then several of my friends, including my dear husband, Alan, they help me stay present to my depths. They help me remember that even though that idea of sitting with my desires is terrifying because I'm not sure what I'm going to see. I'm not sure it's going to be pretty because that's true. That might be why, you know, when I said be be toward your longings, you might have been like, because, you know, we've been taught our longings are scary and that they lead us to bad behaviors. And sometimes they can, sure, of course. They have a lot of potential and they have a lot of power. But they have power for both good and bad. Um, you know, it's not just evil stuff that's going to come out of these quote-unquote evil. Anyway, so all that to say, be present to your depths and the desires that sit there. Uh, I want to do an episode sometime on taking yourself out on a date. <laughs> to sit with yourself. Cause I say this a lot, you know, sit with yourself. What does that even mean? Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. So we'll talk about that sometime, but here's the thing as, as you know, as you sit and be present with your depths and your desires that sit there, you don't have to let your desires run the show. Uh, but you better believe that they will without your permission, if you never pay attention to what they are. They will run the show if you don't pay attention to what your desires are. They're there, and they're going to, they have power. And uh, what you do with that matters. So that's number one. Number two is this. Notice, after you've been present with your depths and desires that sit there, notice without judgment where they have led you before, and if that's really what you want. So, you know, paying attention to, is this really working for me? What is this desire? What is this specific yearning led me to in the past? And is that really what I want to be doing? Is that serving me well? Um, or is this just sort of making me feel like I belong, but I don't? Um, you know, your desire is to belong, but what you do with that, there's a lot of different ways of carrying that out, right? The journey. That's the journey. And then number three is after you've been present to your depths and your desires and you've noticed without judgment where they've led you before and is that really what you want? Um, belong to and accept yourself just there, just being there, being present to those things and noticing without judgment, uh, where they've led you because only when you belong to yourself, which sounds super, uh, postmodern, I think, and like millennial, <laughs> but only when you belong to yourself, uh, will you belong to other people well. Because you then will both have the power to give and receive love, not just one-sided 
if there's a power dynamic in one of your relationships in which you feel you found belonging in love, maybe you examine a little bit like, does this person have the reins more often than I do? Does this person call the shots more often than I do? Does this person uh, sort of jerk me around a little bit? Like if I would like, if I ask for something, does that person make me feel bad for wanting it? That kind of thing. And just, just again, just notice. But when you're doing this, you're uh, belonging for the right reasons. If you belong to yourself first, if you sort of accept yourself, then you will act with a different kind of power dynamic and you will do things for the right reasons more often, quote unquote, right reasons. And then finally, uh, number four, here's, this is the part that will take you the longest and will be the most elusive, probably just beyond your grasp to some degree, uh, practice non-attachment. The practice part makes it non-elusive, but <laughs> non-evasive, but, um, practice non-attachment. Remember we have a right to our actions, but not the outcome of our actions. So I think I've said this before. I have this little, <clears throat> I have this little mantra that I say <clears throat> that kind of is what I just described, but it's act. So like be, <laughs> assess, see if that worked, adjust. So like shuffle some stuff around, do it a little differently that might serve you better. And then finally, accept. So whatever happens, you have to know that you ex you did your due diligence on this process. You examined your values. You committed to what you valued. You were true to yourself. You were uh, kind to others. You were not harmful to yourself or others, those kinds of things. And in that process, you cannot control the outcome. You cannot control how others feel about it. You cannot control what others do or say. And that's hard. That's probably the hardest part of all of this. So act, assess, adjust, and accept. Here's my little, here's my, my sticky note above my desk at work. Be present and aware, Heather. Be conscious of your values and personality in action and act beyond your impulses. That's my little reminder every single day. It's above my desk at both of my jobs. <laughs> it's very important. Here's my blessing to you this week. May you listen to your longings. May you sit in your own depths. And let those depths and those desires be your teachers. May you in your life find joy and life in the whirlwind by sort of flipping around this way that you've always been. In finding God, may you find yourself. And in finding yourself, may you find God. And then maybe the world will come. Maybe belonging will come because that's what love is. So thank you for joining me this week. 
Take great care. See you next week.